We've been doing a series in Galatians and it's been a, a challenge for me even as I sat down and had to think about what we're speaking about, this, what I'm going to speak to this morning. Because it's in many ways a challenge for us, I believe, as Christians to actually fall into a mode of thinking and mentality where we, instead of actually developing our relationship with God, what we do is we start to set up a whole series of do's and don'ts. And we think that if we do these various things and don't do these other things, then we're actually living the Christian life in an effective way. And I think if I recall correctly, a couple of weeks ago when Andy spoke, he spoke to this very fact, listing out some of the things we think are do, Christian do's, things we think are Christian don'ts. It's good probably to do and not do some of those things, but it's not really what the Christian life is all about. And today as we have a look specifically at the person and work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, because that's what uh, Paul is addressing in this passage, I think it's important for us to understand the context of this. Even though Paul is speaking specifically about the, the Holy Spirit in our lives, and certainly that is true as Christians, it's also important for us to understand that what he's talking about here is the freedom that we have when we can actually have that right relationship with God, when we actually allow the Holy Spirit to have the control in our lives that he should be having. The passages actually that we're looking at today is Galatians 5:16 through 26. So if you've got your Bibles there, I'm reading from the NIV. There's actually a couple more up here. Um, quite happy for you to, to get up and pick one up if you need it. Uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to read through the passage first and then we're just going to break it up into little bits and then look at each section as we go. Uh, you might find one or two words different. I was interested to notice that my version of the NIV was actually different to others in that it referred to sinful nature rather than flesh. So in yours, if you've got an NIV, where, where there's flesh, you'll probably find there's that small difference. But otherwise, essentially the same. Okay, let's read it. So I say, live by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of your sinful nature. For your sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Or in some uh, versions you might find it's got Mo uh, to the law of Moses. Because keeping in mind here what uh, who, uh, Paul's actually speaking to He's speaking to the Galatian church, which they were actually Gentile people predominantly, originally. And they came to faith in Christ. And then as we've heard, as we've gone through the series, someone who was from the Jewish faith or background came in and convinced them that they had to start following the Jewish laws again. So that's the context of that comment. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this 
will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. And since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. The reality is that as Christians there's a battle going on for our attention and allegiance. And it's a battle between our sinful nature, as the Bible describes it here, and we're going to look at what that means in a minute, and the Holy Spirit's control in our lives. Because once we, be, as we become a Christian, I'm going to explain what even that means in a minute, then we actually have the Holy Spirit living within us. So what is this sinful nature? And why is it such an issue for us? Well, the reality is, as the Bible tells us in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God or God's standing. That's just a fact. From birth by default... We're controlled by that sin nature. We inherit from Adam and Eve that seed of sin and that's the picture I've tried to put up there. The fact that a little child, when they're born, they start out being appearing quite innocent and as though there's nothing really there that's an issue. But of course things change a little bit later on. But at birth, that's the way we are. We inherit that as it were a seed of sin. The Bible also uses the term or refers to our heart as being the centre of our emotions. Jeremiah 17 verse 9 says, I, the Lord, search the heart. So God actually can look beyond our actual external behaviour, the things that we do that everybody around us can see us do, and he can actually look right inside and see what our motivation is. And so can the Holy Spirit. In fact, the Holy Spirit can actually uh, control us at that level. And we'll speak to that shortly. That's an important thing for us to appreciate. And that's why in this, as I've gone go through these illustrations, that's why I've drawn a heart there. Um, so what I'm talking about is that spiritual part of us that's actually going to live on. Our bodies are going to die and go into the ground and, and one day we'll get a new body. But that part of us that lives on is the important, is really the important part of us. And that's what we're speaking to here this morning. Of course, as a young child grows and becomes an adult, the real character starts to show. We know we don't have to teach a child to be disobedient, do we? I didn't have to teach my children that anyway. I don't have to teach them to be jealous or to be angry or to be selfish. We, it all comes naturally. And that's our sin nature. By nature, that's the way we are. And some of those things I've listed there, we're going to get them in the list. I just read them before. It's just a reality. And the fact is, is God knows that. and That's the way we are. And because he knew that, that's why he sent the Lord Jesus Christ 
to come and to pay the price for our sin. Instead of trying to renovate that tree that's on your left, the sin nature, God decided not to try and do that, but rather to put his Holy Spirit into our, into our lives, into that part of us, into our hearts, into our, the very, our very inner being, to instead of trying to fix that other tree up, to actually be there to control our lives, to be the primary one to control our lives. But the other tree is still there. Bit of a pain, but it is still there. And that's a reality. And we're reminded, and when Jesus was here on earth, he spoke to the fact that the Holy, he would send the Holy Spirit John 14, verse 6, verse 16 says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counsellor to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. So that was God's plan all along. That instead of us having to try and follow the laws, similar to what the Jews were doing, unfortunately they sort of twisted around and didn't quite get it either, but anyway, that didn't work, unfortunately, for them. And so what God decided to do was, instead of looking at our behaviour and actions and so forth or trying to follow the law, he said, no, I'm going to count you as righteous because of the fact the Lord Jesus Christ died on your behalf. That's what he decided to do. Rather than try and fix up that left-hand tree, because the rea- reality is it can't be fixed up. The Jews tried it. In fact, they, they put a whole lot of other laws around it to try and fix it up and try and make sure that they followed every last little bit. But then they, they took it so far that they ended up actually getting laws which cancel out the other laws and they contradicted themselves and it really became a real mess. But the reality is you can't fix up that left-hand tree. I can't fix it up. You can't fix it up. We can pull the fruit off. The trouble is grows again. It just can't be done. So what does it mean? In fact, I'm going to just digress for a minute because there may be people here who are not clear on what it actually means to be a Christian of making that assumption. The reality is, is that until we actually come to the point of recognising the fact that Jesus Christ died on the cross on our behalf, we're not a Christian. We have to accept the fact that when he died there, he died in our place. And I quite often, when I've been speaking to people, I quite often say it's it's a bit like the ABC. First of all, we have to recognise that all of sin, including me. B, I have to believe in the fact that the Lord Jesus Christ died there in in my place. And that I have to ask him to come in, see and commit the control of my life to him. And I have to do it intentionally. It's an intentional thing that needs to be done. Some of you may say, well, I can't remember doing that, but I do believe it. That's fine. But at some point, we need to make that decision, even if you don't remember a day and date. Of course, the sinful nature, however, still is there, as we've just said, but now it's got a fairly serious competitor. But of course then there's conflict 
between the two. And that's what Paul's speaking to here. That conflict between our sinful nature, which is still there, and this control of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Sometimes, some of you might, have, might recall back from that, it's probably the 1970s or 80s, I can't remember now, the bumper stickers were popular at one stage. I remember one of them was, Christians aren't perfect, just forgiven. Does anyone remember those? I think a few, I see a few nods around my generation by looks of things. It's true, but it can also be a trap, thinking like that. It's true that we have forgiven, but the reality is, is we have to come to God when we do recognise that we've done things wrong and confess our sin to him. John 1 verse 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We have to recognise when we start to give the left-hand tree control. Because the, the challenge continually is going to be, as it says in this verse, verse 17, it says, For your sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want to or what you want. In fact, Paul also says this, if, if you, in your studies you might even get uh, pointed in this direction to Romans chapter 7 and Romans chapter 8, the great uh, chapters to go in line with this. But in Romans chapter 7, Paul actually expresses his frustration along exactly the same lines. Keeping in mind, when he was writing Romans, he was a Christian. So the reality is that sin nature is there. There's no such thing as sinless perfection even though we might like to think that way or we might like to put that kind of image out to people. We might think that if people think that I never make mistakes and that I'm never wrong, people will like me. They might want to become a Christian. Unfortunately, the trouble with that is that we, then con- we are then convinced by our own rhetoric. We then start to think that we don't need to keep short accounts with God. We don't need to confess our sin to God because we're, we're good, we're right. And if we do, we're, if we start doing then, that, then we're admitting that we're wrong, sort of see where the reasoning goes. And then we think, start to think that, well, we don't, we, we don't need to confess something to someone else that we've done anything wrong because we don't do anything wrong. That's nonsense. The reality is that sin nature is there and, the, and that tension is continually there. So the question is, what can we do about it, if anything? Let's move on. The next verse, verse 18, says, But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. And Of course, this was particularly a reference to Moses, the law of Moses, because that's what was being promoted in the Galatian church. Because, uh, some people had come along and, and were, uh, were trying to promote the law. But of course, salvation based on the law is simply an exercise in futility. Yeah. Trying to save oneself at a behavioural level contrast to the motivational level, is bound to fail. Because as much as we try, unfortunately, there's still that sin nature or sin that, uh, part of us that's driving and motivating us. At the motivational level, that's where the problem is. In fact, we can sometimes uh, have this kind of an attitude. I, I remember 
my wife and I were uh, on a tour in Europe last year and as part of the tour they offered a, a tour through, it was one evening I think it was, a, a tour through the red light district of Amsterdam. And we had a choice as to whether to go on this tour or not. And there's actually another Christian couple there, I can't remember whether they went or not, and whether we went or not, not there's neither here nor there in what I'm about to say. But the thing is, I could have gone and got my Bible, or gone and got my tablet, that's what I tend to use these days, find my Bible, and to try and work out whether I should go or not. And because I've, it's an electronic thing, what I could have done, I guess, is done a word search. Right? You can do that. So I put in red light. Right? And look to see whether there's any mention of red light districts in the Bible. And I'd be pretty safe because I don't think they had electricity then. So I think I probably would have been pretty safe. But anyway, I could do that. And then I could go through and it comes back, not, nothing found. So I'm right to go. That's a very legalistic approach to using the Bible. I know it's a simplistic attitude, but sometimes the attitude we can take. Instead of actually thinking about, okay, what would God have me do? What's going to bring glory to him? And I believe that's what the Holy Spirit can actually do in our lives. That's the way he can influence us and change our thinking and mentality. Because the reality is, as I mentioned before, the Jewish Jews actually had that kind of a thinking. They get down, they read the law, look at the finest points they could in the law and then work out how to get around it. And if we take a legalistic approach to reading the scriptures or the interpretation of the scriptures, we'll end up doing the same thing. Because you can find a verse in the Bible probably just about any behaviour, particularly if you take it out in isolation. Right? Yeah, Judas, I think there's a verse there that says Judas went and hung himself and find another verse, go do there likewise. Right? We can sort of use the Bible in that way and it's, and it's not the way, of course, that we should be using it. It's all about having that relationship with God, allowing the Holy Spirit to have some control in our lives and direct us and direct our lives and our thinking. And of course when we don't do that, when we, when we allow the sin nature to take control, this is what we get. And the acts of the sinful nature are obvious and so it lists them. And I read them out before. And I think we know what they're like. The sexual immorality, the hatred, the jealousy, the factions, fits of rage, selfish ambition. You might say, well I don't, I'm not like that. I wonder whether deep down really sometimes we are. Because we, all we can see of each other, that is, is our outward actions. We can't see what our motivation, what our thinking is. But as I, as I was uh, saying before, God actually can. And the fact is, is that God, through the Holy Spirit, can actually get in and motivate us and control us. But anyway, that's the sort of thing we can expect. That's the sort of behaviour that's driving us. Of course, the thing is, is that we learn, as we're depending on how good our training is, as we grow up, we can quite often learn the right sort of things, the right sort of behaviours. We learn if we treat someone else well, they might treat us back well. We learn if we give something to someone, they might be generous back to us. 
But that's really not the, the that's really not a Christian motivation necessarily. That's not the Holy Spirit's motivation. That's just something we've learned. We've learned to survive in this life. It's a bit different when we allow the Holy Spirit to take control in our lives. Because at a motivational level, the Holy Spirit can actually take control. And instead of that self-preservation approach or that driver in our lives, he's actually going to want to bring glory to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the Holy Spirit controlling us. Because that's what he's about. That's what the Holy Spirit has been sent in our life to do. That's what he wants to do in and through us. Doesn't doesn't mean that the other sinful nature, once the Holy Spirit's in control, is going to dominate necessarily. Because the fact is, the choice is going to be up to us. And that's where there is something we've got to do. Right? Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it's a gift of God. And that's true. But if you read on to verse 10, quite often we don't read, but we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good work. So the reality is, is that we're not just here, it's not just an insurance policy to get us into heaven, we're here to be able to serve God and be effective for him. And that's where the fruit of the Spirit then can be effective. That fruit is then coming from the right kind of motivation. The motivation to actually want to have a meaningful relationship with God and to see other people have that kind of a relationship with God. But, uh, but sin nature can be a bit of a pain getting the road sometimes, can't it? Actually, I'm reminded of the story. In fact, someone gave me this story a week or so ago about a pastor who was flying between two cities and it, and it was flying at night time. And he was in the plane and flying uh, along and then sooner or later, and it's happened to me as well, ding, on comes the seatbelt sign. And then the announcement over the uh, PA system said, uh, look, I want everyone back to your seats. And all the tea and coffee and lunches and stuff had to get packed away. Because as it soon became evident, the, uh, they were flying into some rougher weather. In fact, it became so rough that uh, as the pastor looked around, he could see people were starting to get pretty anxious. And some people were sitting praying, he thought. looked like that's what they were doing. Maybe for some of them it might have been the first time in their lives. And others were uh, looking around. Children started crying. The plane hit an air pocket and down it went. And the next thing, uh, updraft and... They're just simply being were being tossed around. But he was interested to notice that there was a, a little girl sitting in a seat not far from him who actually seemed to be unaffected by it all. She was sitting there reading a book, sitting cross-legged. And occasionally she'd just rest and close her eyes back against the seat while all this was happening. 
and there was a lightning and there was thunder and all sorts of things and they were really tossed around. didn't seem to affect her. When they landed, it had, a, it had his curiosity. So he thought, even he, the pastor, was scared, as I would have been, I think. So he went up to the little girl to ask her. Uh, he just said, oh, look, I've noticed you weren't frightened by that. What's the uh, story? He said, well, he said, it's like this. My daddy was a pilot and he's taken me home. Do you get the story? The reality is if we can learn to put our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, if we can learn what it is to trust him and allow the Holy Spirit to have control in our lives, it changes us right at the motivational level. He's promised to do that. That's what the scripture tells us. It doesn't, doesn't mean that we're not going to have the rough ride. This life can be a real rough ride at times. Now, looking around here, people here in this fellowship, I can see a few who would nod at that. The reality is life can be rough. But when we know that the one who is controlling life and taking us through life actually does have ultimate control, that's when we can start to actually put our faith and trust in him. And when we can learn what it is, even in times of difficulties and challenges, to actually know what it is to have that relationship with Jesus Christ, and then we'll actually experience for ourselves the love, the joy, the peace, the patience. Not because we've put it up as a set of things that we should be doing or demonstrating to other people, it's because right at the motivational level, rather than the behavioural level, it's a reality to us. That's an important difference. Verse 24, Those who belong to Jesus, to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. That idea of being crucified crucified the sinful nature. Now that the Holy Spirit is in control rather than the sinful nature, the challenge is in that those last few words, to keep in step with the Spirit. I'm reminded of the mother who was invited to the parade by her soldier uh, son. And as the parade was coming around the corner, she was looking out for her son. She was just in the crowd. And finally she spotted her son coming around the corner. And as she watched him come around the corner, she sang out really proud of her son and said, He's the only one who's in step. I think sometimes that's our attitude. Sometimes we think we're the only ones who are in step. It's not a question of us just doing our own thing and looking up the Bible and seeing what's right, is a question of are we in step with the Holy Spirit? Are we actually allowing him to have that control in our lives or not? Because if we're not, we're going to be out of step. We're going to be out of step with the Holy Spirit. And this is my pictorial way of describing what I've been trying to say here this morning. The reality is, is that that sin nature is there. 
We've asked the Lord Jesus Christ to come in and take control in our lives and he's done that through the person of the Holy Spirit. But the challenge is for us to make sure that we water the right-hand tree and not the left-hand tree. What do I mean by that in practice? What I'm talking about is doing things like setting priorities in terms of our time and finances that are kingdom-oriented priorities. Less TV, more reading God's word, doing some of those challenges that Nathan puts out. In fact, my granddaughter really challenged me the other day. She said she'd already written out the first chapter of of, uh, Galatians when I hadn't even started. So uh, there we go. Less manipulation of people and circumstances and more time in prayer. Just some of the ways, certainly not a complete list. This Ephesians 5.18 instructs us to be filled with the Spirit and we've spoken to that on previous occasions here. But the important thing to notice is it's a growing process. We do start out as a little seed and I think that's important for us to appreciate when someone first becomes a Christian, not to put unreasonable expectations on people or say, because you're a Christian now you've got to do bang, 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 bang. It's back into the old legalism again. We've got to be reasonable with people and with ourselves. We've also got to be honest with ourselves and when we do mess up, recognise that we do and keep short accounts with God and where we need to with other people. Sometimes that can be difficult. We don't like to do it and we like to think that we're okay because we're now Christians and living in a nice Christian community. I love Paul's description of this in Romans chapter 8, verses 5 through 8, description of this challenge that we actually have. He said, those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things, a thing of the mind. Philippians 4, verse 18, I think if my memory is correct, talks about the importance of thinking about the right things. That's something we can intentionally do. For those who are controlled by the Spirit, think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws and it never will. It's a reality. That's why those who are still under control of their sinful nature can never please God. So if we let the sinful nature have that kind of control, we're not going to please God. It's just a fact. One of the true tests of the level of control in the of the Holy Spirit, or that the Holy Spirit has in our lives, is when we actually face difficulties. While things are going fairly smooth, we tend not maybe to rub up against each other so much. But when things become difficult and when the challenges come along, that's when we can really tell whether the Holy Spirit has control in our lives or not. Because if the Holy Spirit really does have control in our lives, then we'll start to see the love, patience, kindness and gentleness come through in that situation. If it's our sinful nature that has control, then we'll see the other aspects of things like jealousy, anger, hatred and so forth start to show through in those challenging times and we're all going to face them this side of eternity we are anyway however 
course, the encouraging thing is, is that ultimately we can have the victory. Before we became a Christian, we were controlled by our sin nature because that's the only tree that was in our lives, to use my illustration from before. But as Christians, the Holy Spirit gives us victory over our sin nature, but there is an ongoing battle, one we have to face. And the really good news is when we get to heaven, we'll be free from our sin nature altogether. Amen. Great news, isn't it? But the reality is we're in that middle position if we know the Lord Jesus Christ. And of course if we don't, if we haven't asked him to come in and take control in our lives, if we're trying to pick the fruit off ourselves and try and sort that tree out ourselves, we're going to be forever doing that. So the reality is you plant an apple seed, you're going to get apples. Orange seed, you get orange. You plant the seed of sin, you're going to get sin. doesn't matter what you do to the top of the tree, the problem is at the bottom. That's motivation right. So in conclusion, what are we saying here today? And I'm saying it to myself as much as anyone here. I feel at times a bit like Peter where he stepped out of the boat into the water and initially, yes, he started to walk on the water, but then as he looked down, he sank. And I think we can probably all relate to that. The reality is we are free from the need to be perfect. We've got to re- realise that God knows that we're not perfect, that we have that sin nature. That's why he sent the Lord Jesus Christ to die on our behalf. He knows what we're like. And the true freedom only comes when we allow that Holy Spirit to take control. And we learn to be honest with ourselves and with others and with God and recognise that we need to keep those short accounts with him. And when we give priority, it's not just about the things we do wrong, we need to be intentional in giving priority to having that relate, developing that relationship with God. The way we use our money, the way we use our time, the sorts of things we give priority to. They're all absolutely fundamental. Let's just close in a word of prayer. And then I'll get the singers to come. Thanks, maybe, while we're praying. Dear Heavenly Father, as we consider the fact that you didn't just leave it up to us to fix up our own lives and try and get rid of those things that so dominate our lives, those motivations that do, We thank you you sent the Lord Jesus Christ to die on our behalf. We also thank you that you sent the Holy Spirit to come and live inside us. We don't understand how that works, but we accept by faith that it does. And we know by experience that he does and can uh, take control. So Lord, we do pray, each one of us as we go away from here, myself included, that we'll know what it is to give you more time, to give you priority time to allow you to work in our lives and motivate us in the right way so that others will see and want to experience that love, joy, peace, patience, kindness that we are experiencing ourselves as we do that. So we do pray for every family here represented this morning and we do pray that we might each one be able to go out and be ambassadors for you and demonstrate to others what it is 
to have a faith in you that really means something and it's not just a surface thing. In your name we pray. Amen.